Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. Welcome into the Lions 24-7 podcast. I am Tyler Donahue. He is Sean Fitz, and we are back with another episode during game week number four here on the Penn State Nittany Lions schedule. Villanova comes to town this weekend. It's an FCS opponent. Expectations are in place for a significant margin of victory for Penn State. That would send them to 4-0, but this Wildcats squad is one of the more respected programs out of that FCS level. We will learn more about them with longtime Wildcats beat reporter Terry Tui. He will be our guest on the episode. Hopefully you heard episode number one of the week with Brian Doan, fantastic national recruiting analyst for 24-7 Sports, was kind enough to join Sean for a long, long conversation, catching you up on what happened on Whiteout Weekend from a recruiting perspective. We're going to turn the page back uh, and start to talk about coming out of the Auburn game and moving toward the Villanova game. But again, a fantastic listen, Sean. Always good to get Brian Doan, and I'm glad that you two were able to, to coordinate that with me stepping aside for that episode. We, we love our conversations with Doan. It's all on the fly. We don't have a rundown. We don't have anything. And that, you know, kind of puts us in a corner at times. But at, at the same time, uh, the conversational aspect of it, always really good. By the way, we're hoping we fixed the audio issue. We got you some feedback from some of you guys. Uh, apologies. That's on my wife or kids who have been messing with my dials. Um, so I will throw them right under the bus. And hopefully we have better sound for you today on this episode and moving forward. And, and we'll just keep our hands off of that if we're my wife or kids. But uh, focusing on Villanova, you sort of turn the page from Auburn right now. Um, obviously, the different levels of focus, mainly for the fan. You know, the the, the players are going to talk about being 1-0 this week. But you move forward. Um, you, you avoid any talk of a trap game. Not that this would be it. But it's a really good Villanova squad and in terms of the FCS level, experienced quarterback, uh, good running game. So uh, they've done some work over the first three weeks. Um, and that's uh, it's going to be it's, – it's not going to be a squad that comes in here and lays down. No, James Franklin laid out the accolades for this Villanova program. He does this every week, very complimentary of whoever that opponent is. But you know, Villanova has a bunch of playoff appearances at the FCS level, formerly Division One AA. Uh, they're currently number 11 in the FCS rankings at 3-0. A couple of blowout victories, a closer margin for the win last week against Richmond. Again, we'll hear a lot more about Villanova coming up. Um, Penn State hosting them for twice here in the upcoming years. Uh, they have not played in a, in a long time. We'll talk about that history in, in a little while. But, Sean, bringing it back here to Penn State, um, some roster talk this week and, and a couple of things that stood out to me and two stories that I actually wrote up on the site at lines247.com on Tuesday. Tyler Warren, John Lovett, certainly different pathways to this point at Penn State, and and they don't pop off that box score when you look at the stats from, from Saturday night, obviously Tyler Warren got in the end zone. Anyone who scores a touchdown is going to stand out. But I think it was 50 combined yards for the two of these players. Context, though, is key in their involvement. Yeah, I, I like what we saw from both of those guys. 
Um, you know, it's funny. They went to to the Wildcat, whatever it was, in the second uh, the second time after it was successful the first time. And you wonder if you go back to the well too often. But you got points out of it the first time. Why not try it again? And like I mentioned in the post game, there was a root involved there. So I wouldn't be surprised if he was ready to throw that ball to Brenton Strange, his up back. Um, but uh, it's, it's always fun to see those things take shape. Obviously, he was a quarterback committed to Virginia Tech to play quarterback. He he wasn't. Uh, no no disrespect to Tyler Warren was not an FBS quarterback prospect, um, really, really good athlete, but not a, not a quarterback. Um, so it's cool that they're working him in there. He's obviously had the ball in his hands before, which is, uh, you know, it makes a difference taking snaps and things like that. Um, but, uh, like I said, the other night, he's six, six two sixty, I think he is listed at now, um, to see that going over the top is, is, is definitely fun. So it's another aspect of that offense. Um, as I mentioned, Mike Yersich just throwing a lot at the wall, not, not saying that he's throwing, you know, what at the wall, just to try and make it stick, but there's a lot going up there and there's a lot of different formations and personnel groupings. I mean, we've seen three tight ends a bunch, but not in a bunch formation as much as you would think. So, um, just having that group being so versatile, having strange and Theo Johnson being able to essentially be wide receivers for you and change some things up. I mean, we saw that with that one particular, uh, you know, screen grab that everybody's been, been gathering over the last couple of days with Brenton strange lined up at left tackle. And this is coming on the, the other guy you were talking about coming on the heels of an 18 yard catch from John Lovett, but with, with strange playing left tackle and Caden Wallace split out wide and much respect to Caden Wallace for selling the hell out of that bubble screen. Um, it's just fun to see different things like that. And if you can make defenses think we've seen it a uh, hundred times, if you can make defenses think, and we've seen it on the other side too, if you made Penn state's defense think they struggle, but uh, it's, uh, it's just fun football. And to see Brenton strange streaking down uh, just tells you what you can do with your tight ends, tells you what you can do with your personnel situations and substitutions and things like that. It's just more fun to have those options and, and your such, over the years hasn't involved tight ends as much as you would think or as much as you would think given the tight end uh, talent in the room at Penn State. So he's he's figuring out a way. It looks like he's growing within himself to, to figure out a way to get those guys the ball. Fun is a great way to describe what we've seen. And clearly the first half at Wisconsin was not the tone setter for this offense because you, that was stagnant and that was depressing. And you thought if this is what we're covering for the next several games, this is going to be tough. Uh, well, and they, you remember the tone setter for the 2020 offense. So, I mean, that was that was a little bit flipped the script there. Right, right. And so I think when you look at, at where this group is trending in, in the tight end room, you're seeing your such be able to, to, to dip into that group and, and put them here, there and everywhere. Uh, Theo Johnson, though, called this package tight. Tyler's baby. Um, it sounds like this is really exclusively tailored to what he does from a skill set standpoint. Like you said, six foot six. I think he's listed 252. Wouldn't surprise me if he's pushing 260, though. Um, you know, th this guy launching over Caden Wallace, who is a large fella. Meanwhile, who's there on the right side sealing off the edge? It's Brenton Strange. Who's in the left side blocking? It's Theo Johnson. You've got Sean Clifford lined out wide. And Sean Clifford said this. That's just a glimpse. This is a pretty deep package that they want to implement. I don't know if we see it pop up first quarter against Villanova. We may not see it pop up until fourth quarter in Columbus against Ohio State. But now every team on the remaining schedule for Penn State has to account for Tyler Warren being a, a bit of a versatile weapon in that backfield and certainly a tight end as well. He caught a 22-yard pass, and I think he's just getting started for what he can be as a receiver. He's going to throw the ball at some point. I don't think there's any oh, question yeah. about that. Um, it's no, I mean, it's just, it's a matter of time in my opinion. Um, but I will say for Villanova, you want to see Taquan Roberson taking snaps, Christian Veyer taking snaps, uh, maybe even Mason Stahl taking some snaps. If you, if you can get there, um, you don't want to just, 
I don't want to say waste it uh, on Villanova, but you don't want to see Tyler Warren. Uh, you know, you, you don't want to have to go gimmick in this game. So uh, I appreciate that. And I don't know if people get how big these guys are when, when we're sitting there after practice and the tight ends are usually one of the last groups out of there. Um, Brenton strange is a big guy. He's pushing six, four, but Theo Johnson at six, seven, Tyler Warren at six, six plus. I mean, even Grayson Klein, the walk ons a really big guy, um, but, but they can move. And that's something that uh, gives your offense so much more uh, depth and versatility. And it, it's really fun to watch. And, and after the first couple of weeks, there were questions about, whether or not Penn State was utilizing its tight ends, whether they were maximizing what they had at tight end and whether those tight ends were maximizing the opportunities that they had gotten. Let's not just put this all on one side here. Um, but it, it's been, it was phenomenal to watch the other night. They were involved in every facet and just, they can do so much for you. Tyler Warren, amazing testing numbers in high school was a big part of the reason why people bought into him as a tight end long-term, despite the lack of evidence on the high school field. Uh, recently updated the big board at Penn State from his winter production in testing, a 4.64 40-yard dash at that size, also 550-pound max squat. Theo Johnson, you mentioned him, 4.51 40-yard dash. There's a lot of talent in that room. We know that. <laughs> Over to the running back room where there is a lot of talent and things are evolving because John Lovett has thrust himself into the mix wearing number 10 instead of number 23. And he ended up finishing second behind Noah King when all was said and done among running backs in total yards against Auburn. Pretty modest stat line, three catches, 27 yards. But one of those was an 18-yard uh, catch and run where you know he, he, he had good vision following his lead blockers, let some things set up, but also showed some burst, showed some agility. Saw some comments on the story that I put up yesterday that he was looking fast yesterday, uh, on the field, and that flashed to some people. Noah Kane averaging about 3.4 yards per carry. Kevon Lee uh, took a seat last Saturday after fumbling the ball and recovering it himself. Devin Ford was, was relegated to kick return duties, and Kazai Holmes with, is with the developmental squad. This all leads me to believe arrow pointing up for John Lovett, despite the mysterious absence that got even more mysterious somehow during James Franklin's press conference on Tuesday. So Noah Kane and, and Kevon Lee look somewhat similar when they're running the ball, big guys that, you know, I think Kane is still coming along in terms of getting comfortable in there and Lee's got to hold on to the football, but love. It looks different. Love. It looks like a different, uh, yeah, different style of attacking and, and, you know, bigger than Devin Ford, no doubt about it. And I think that plays into a part of it. Um, but you saw him shake loose on that 18 yard catch and run, uh, got involved there in, in crunch time. I, I'm also very curious about the number switch um, for that yes. to, to pop up the week that they play a quarterback with a number 10. And I think Lovett's worn 10 before. I, I don't know that off the top of my head, but I, I feel like I've seen that somewhere. Uh, it's just very, very interesting how that all worked out. So I don't know um, if Auburn think, found out before you did, but when did you find out, Sean? I found out in uh, pregame. Yeah, yeah, well, yeah. we talked about it after practice the other day, and I was like, hey, he's wearing 10. Maybe he's – at that point, he seemed like he was relegated to the back of the line still. And uh, maybe, like I said, maybe a little playing possum and, and seeing what happens. So, you know, we, we've mentioned before that, that college football coaches often over type, over overthink these type of things. Uh, maybe that's what they were doing and maybe it worked and maybe it worked out for everybody on, on Penn State's uh, side. So it was, uh, it, it's a it's a story that does not matter, but it's very interesting to me. And, and there's a lot of those out there. So but I but I like what I saw from Love. It just gives you a different gear. Um, interested to see some some of those guys maybe get a little bit more uh, space and, and try and hit the open field. And that's really how uh, I, I, I the running game has been. I don't want to call it a disappointment, but it's it's fallen short of expectations so far. And you would like to see them get going a little bit more in the open field. I think, uh, you know, handing the ball off, not just catching the ball and running. 
Sure feels like this is an opportunity for a get right game for that backfield uh, in terms of getting some numbers up, getting some some uh, just some some wheels turning in the right direction. Some of these guys have had a little bit of trouble coming out the gates. You'd like to see momentum built up for Noah Kane. He does have three touchdowns, but not seeing him as efficient as we've become accustomed to uh, early in his career. Uh, Kevon Lee, you want to see him handle that ball, that security, and you want to see him get in the open field and, and run behind his pads and hopefully more of John Lovett as well. Um, when we look at Lovett, though, one, I want to go back to the mystery here. The two-game absence, um, we did not, you know, we were not informed along the way. Jay Sider, as we said, didn't touch it when he was asked about it last week. Um, John Lovett was on the practice field each week as we saw him leading up to those first couple games, and, and then ultimately not in uniform for those games. That changed last week. James Franklin was asked during the press conference on Tuesday about a broadcast comment from Chris Fowler, who does the play-by-play for ESPN. He said in the third quarter that that Lovett it was due to disciplinary actions. And when this was said to Franklin, shockingly, Franklin apparently was was blindsided by this. I'm, I'm surprised by that all this time later. But he says he, that statement, he doesn't know where it came from. They were going to get to the bottom of it. Sounded like that was going to be the first phone call he made coming out of the press conference was to figure out where that Lovett information came up and why it was mentioned on the broadcast. So no confirmation of anything right now, but he did say something that stuck out to me. He said they were waiting for the right time and place to use John Lovett. Made it sound voluntary. I can't see how that would work with a fifth year senior coming to campus and just stepping aside for two games. If it is, it's a heck of a sacrifice, but to me, there's just a lot more in here. And for whatever reason, James Franklin can't go public on it. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, it's an internal thing that they're, I have no mm-hmm. problem with them not going public with it. It's, it's funny though, because they have these, especially for the big games, they have these weeks leading up or the weeks leading up to the game, they've got the production meetings and the the broadcast crew is in there and you talk to so many people and typically, you know, you can get that information and, and they're okay with that saying, you know, maybe it was out for a day or two. This clearly was not cleared um, from Penn state. It was probably just brought up in conversation with, uh, one of the people that were in the building and, and Chris Fowler ran with it because uh, uh, Franklin doesn't do that very often. He doesn't respond like that very often. And I mean, sometimes it's it's just one of those things where you get your information. That's great. Um, but he did not seem too pleased about that one. Um, but it's in the past. Doesn't matter. Um, but it's just another side uh, that we saw in that Tuesday press conference. Yeah, we also saw Keaton Ellis back on the field, as we mentioned. Hakeem Beeman actually popping up on the developmental squad players of the week list this week. So did Keziah Holmes at running back. So uh, just something to note there. We have not seen Beeman in action through three weeks. Uh, Holmes currently seems to be working as as the number five running back on the depth chart. What do you make of that? Um, I talked about this before a little bit, but it feels like Keziah Holmes, Jaywan Sider, this coaching staff on the same page. This is a developmental year for him to really grow as a complete running back and do that at a, at a different pace than what he was able to do it uh, with all the injuries and, and all the issues that were in front of him on the depth chart last year. So I think that's in a good place. You know, Developmental squad honors. It, it, when you see Akeem Beeman on that list, it's, it, it hits different, though, because uh, it's just a different circumstance. Yeah, it's um, one of those things where you're just kind of sitting and waiting for him to come back. I mean, we saw him at practice last week, which is a step forward for Beeman. Um, see him on the, the the developmental side means somewhat buying into it. So that's the, hopefully, um, you know, he continues to work in the right direction because they can use him, especially, you know, with with Iowa looming on the schedule in a couple of weeks. You can lo- use a guy like that in the middle of uh, your, of your defense. So um, we'll see what happens with that. Because I Holmes, again, I think I said it last week, just has to continue to trust the process, just has to be um, a situation where he's he, he needs to understand what's in front of him and understand where his developmental track is and, and just continue to go with it. Because that's uh, that's a long time to sit, especially that far away from home. Um it, 
even when you got the taste of uh, of playing last year. So um, be interesting to see what his offseason looks like. Um, you know, you're curious to see what this running back room looks like in six weeks, let alone six months. But uh, Holmes is a, is a probably a fascinating subplot of that, especially with Nick Singleton and Katron Allen set to come in, in for, for the 2022 season. Once again, we expect to see a bunch of running backs involved uh, on Saturday against Villanova. We're going to get a chance to talk about the Wildcats who are coming to town for that matchup right now with Terry Tui of the Delaware County Daily Times. He has covered the Wildcats for a long time, and we are grateful to get his perspective on a game week here. Terry, I know you're kind of in between media availabilities on your beat right now, so we appreciate you taking some time to talk about this upcoming game. No problem, Tyler. Thanks for having me. Well, we are talking about a 3-0 Penn State team. Everyone's really excited about this squad here in Happy Valley. Meanwhile, Villanova also 3-0, up to number 11 in the FCS polls. What stands out early through three games? What's working well for the Wildcats? Well, I, offensively, it has to be their running game. Uh, they have a stable of four running backs led by uh, six-year senior uh, Justin Covington and uh, D. Will Barley, you know, the, their primary attack is the run. Then they have a sixth-year quarterback in, in Dan Smith, who was a uh, – they transferred in a few years ago. And on, on the defensive side of the ball, they have 11 takeaways in three games. Um, they have uh, – I think it's eight interceptions and three fumble recoveries. So it's an opportunistic defense. I'm looking yeah, at some old – Oops, sorry, Tyler. You got some got some old guys over there. Uh, Daniel Smith, twenty three years old. Um, what, what do you think that's going to bring to, or what do you think that's going to help uh, Villanova with an experienced guy? Started at Campbell, as you said, transferred to Villanova. So there's a lot of he's played a lot of football. Has been very successful at that. How do you think that's going to help them handle the the situation walking into Beaver Stadium? Well, I, I think what it's going to do is kind of calm them down and 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 take away that awe factor. They have ten. 60-year seniors. They have 10 50-year seniors. They have, I think it's 39 players on the roster who have four years in the program or either in their fourth year or been here for, for four or more years. So that just, that's a settling influence when you have that kind of maturity. And starting at the quarterback position, Daniel Smith, I'm looking at the stats here. I mean, just uh, really impressive numbers the last few years. It uh, looks like 56 touchdowns to only 15 interceptions dating back to 2018 in his college career. Going into Beaver Stadium, obviously a major challenge. It's an it's a environment Villanova does not often encounter. What, what can we expect from the quarterback and, and what can he do for this offense and for the team overall to deal with this in situation because he's had so many reps. Yeah, I think that's, you know, he's going to have to be the guy that kind of settles things down and they, they have to realize they're probably not going to be able to beat Penn state deep. They're going to have to take what the deep defense gives them anything underneath in the throwing game. And he may have to run a little bit more. He hasn't been running as much this year as he did uh, in 2019 or previously in his career because he has such good running backs. But, he, you know, he may have to carry the ball a little bit more in that read option offense. You got four running backs that are all averaging over five yards of carry, product of the system, product of the offensive line, the running back. I mean, what do you attribute the uh, success of the running game uh, so far? All of the above, and they're all very talented running backs. I mean, I think in, you know, in, in any other situation – each one of them could be the primary back and, and they rotate them in on series. 
You know, they'll play Covington one one time, Barley another, uh, Jalen Jackson another, uh, TD, whose last name I can never pronounce. Um, you know, they rotate them in. So I think that's that's the key to them, and it keeps them fresh. I mean, they're not a team that we're, we're – they're not guys who are going to get 20 carries a game. They're going to get 15, 15, 8, and 5. Uh, when we look at the, you said you said Penn, uh, Penn State probably will not have to face a lot of deep throws here. It's going to be more about uh, taking what, what Penn State may give them underneath. When Villanova is looking downfield uh, and Smith is, is searching for targets, who steps up? Because I see three guys with multiple touchdown receptions uh, over the course of the year so far. Yeah, yeah, I mean it's you know Des Boykin is one of them. Uh, you know he's they, you know they have they have some guys that ha- that have some speed that can get past. Uh, can get down the field. Uh, Jaron Harrick is the same way, and Rajon Pringle. I mean, they're, they're the top three guys. He spreads the ball. Daniel spreads the ball around quite a bit, and they have a very good tight end in Todd Summers, although they really haven't utilized the tight end position as much as uh, head coach Mark Ferrani would like. I think they want to try to get the tight ends a little bit more involved. But he's going to – He's going to spread the ball around. He's de- he, I don't think Daniel has a favorite target. This defense, uh, 23 tackles for loss through three games, seven sacks through three games. Uh, what kind of uh, defensive attack do you – you say you can't let uh, Penn State behind you, but how, how do you see them attacking Penn State on Saturday, and, and who are the guys that, that, that you need to keep an eye on? Well, Malik Fisher up front is, is, is one of the guys to keep an eye on. Um, he's getting some NFL looks. He's probably you know, he'll 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 get an invite to somebody's camp because he's big, he's strong, he's fast. Um, and uh, Forrest Ryan uh, in in on in the linebacking core, another veteran, fifth year guy. Uh, he's a candidate uh, for the Buck Buchanan Award, which is the Defensive Player of the Year in the FBS FCS. Excuse me. And then uh, on the back end, Christian Benford uh, at cornerback, he's got um, 11 career interceptions. He's got four this year. Uh, so, I mean, I, I, I think they're, they're a defense that is designed to stop the run first. That, is the, that has been their primary focus for, for as long as I've covered them through three different defensive coordinators. And that's, that's, that's they're going to be their primary focus and then deal with the pass. Stop the run and deal with the pass. Terry, it's been 70 years since these two programs last played in a football game. That's a, a long time. Uh, and and it'll, that'll end on Saturday when this game kicks off at noon. What's the buzz around the program right now, knowing that they're playing the number six team in the country? There's a lot of excitement. I, I just talked to, to several of the players, um, and, 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 and they're all excited. One, Garrett Zobel, uh, one of their defensive linemen, you know, he was recruited early by Penn State, you know, early in the recruiting process. You know, a lot of these guys were recruited by FBS schools early in the recruiting process, primarily like MAC schools and, and conferences like that, and then gravitated toward uh, a Villanova when that, that recruiting interest kind of waned. You know, they're, they're making a weekend of it. The, the baseball team's coming up and playing games. The softball team's coming up and playing fall games up there. You know, they've got fan buses going up on Saturday morning. Uh, there, there's a lot of excitement around this. 
Yeah. Remember some of these names? Forrest Ryan was is from Waynesboro. He's actually from a town over from where I grew up. And he came up for multiple visits. I think Penn State you know, wanted to walk on. Des Boykin, of course, from Whitehall, Saquon Barkley's high school. So he was up a bunch. Um, so some definitely some familiar names there. I think the elephant in the room here, you know, you're comparing number 16 in the country, FBS, to an FCS program. Do they have the size, the the athleticism to 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 keep it a uh, ball game? And and you know, do they really want to talk about something of, of that nature at this point? Well, no, yeah, the, the, there is going to be a size and, a, and an athletic difference, obviously. The other, the other great uh, difference is the depth, the difference in the number of scholarships, where, mm-hmm. you know, the FBS, is, is, I believe it's 85 scholarship limit, FCS is 63. So you're already at a numerical disadvantage. Uh, you know, so that's, that's, that's the biggest thing is that, you know, when you get into those second team guys, the Penn State guys are still going to be much better than the Villanova guys. And for Villanova, I mean, James Franklin mentioned yesterday, a lot of playoff appearances, uh, a national championship not too far behind us. Can you give our listeners some perspective about just how strong the Villanova football program has been at the FCS level and at the Division One AA program for the last few decades? Yeah, I mean, they, they won a national title in 2009. Uh, beating coming back to beat Montana. They've been to the semifinals several times. They've been to the quarterfinals uh, several times. They've made deep runs in the playoffs. They're, they're a perennial playoff team. They've, they've had ebbs and flow, but they're, they're expected to be a playoff team this, this year. I mean, after this game, they have a bye week, and then they play JMU, which is the top team in the CAA. Um it's, it's at this level, they're one of the better programs in one of the better conferences at the FCS level. And the Wildcats. Terry, Terry oh, sorry. Terry, the, Terry how, how ahead, fun is the F, how, how fun is the FCS playoff system just compared mm-hmm. to comparatively to FBS? Oh, it's, it's terrific. Um, because, you know, it's, it's not just two games. There's 24 teams. And if, and if you're, if you don't get that first round by, you're basically going through five games to win a national championship. And, you know, there's, there's a definite advantage and you're playing on other teams, home fields. You're not playing in neutral stadiums until you get to the final in Frisco, Texas. Uh, so it's, 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 it's a lot of fun. And I mean, I, you know, I remember I covered the, the 09 championship team and, and, and that was a lot of fun. And then the next year they got to the semifinals and they had to do that on the road. They played at Stephen F. Austin and Appalachian State and uh, places like that. It's, it's you know, I, I, I want to see the FBS go to at least an 18 playoff. I think I think that's perfect. Anything more than 18s is really watering it down. We'll stay tuned on that uh, for for now. And, and last question for you, Terry, we'll let you get back to your coverage of your game week at Villanova. Um, I, I'm, I'm looking at the, the last few games for, for Villanova, a win over a ranked opponent, Richmond 427 last week, and then a couple blowout wins over Lehigh and Bucknell. What's your forecast for game number four for these Wildcats heading to Beaver Stadium? Do you see them making this contentious for some significant portion of the game? And ultimately, um, what do you think is a separating factor between these two programs, aside from the obvious FCS, FBS distance? Yeah, I mean, I think they can make it competitive in the, in the early going for a half, maybe even into the third quarter. I mean, I don't put it past this team because 
you know, they're playing with a chip on their shoulder. They're, they want to see how they stack up against the big boys, so to speak. Uh, I think the ultimate factor is going to be the depth factor and, and just the sheer numbers and, and, and the size and the athleticism of, of Penn State that Villanova does not see at this level. In film, Villanova's big. They got good. They got, they've got good size, but it, it's not like FBS size. Terry Tui, tightening enough to join us, covers Villanova for the Delaware County Daily Times. Uh, are you making the trip to Beaver Stadium this weekend? I am not. We're not traveling. Our, our sister paper in Reading is covering the game. Oh, well, sorry to miss you, but uh, we really appreciate the insight here ahead of game day. All right. Well, thank you for having me, Tyler. All right. We have a better understanding of Villanova now, thanks to Terry. Appreciate him for hopping on with us. It, it was a bit of a tricky situation trying to make that interview happen, but I'm glad we, we did make it happen, Sean. Yeah, hopefully we fixed my audio, but then we just ran into a, a cluster of, of epic proportions there. So not really sure which format we're coming to you in, but we're still talking to you in the podcast, which is the original medium. So uh, we got that and we're, we're, we're here to focus back on Penn State a little bit. Uh, Big Ten Defensive Player of the Week, Brandon Smith. Uh, kind of a surprise when you take into account watching the game and, and thinking maybe Jaquan Brisker, maybe Joey Porter, a couple of other guys that uh, were certainly in the mix for Penn State's uh, best defensive player. I will say it's it's interesting to me, this is the second time that Penn State has had a player of the week. Jordan Stout, of course, was a special teams player of the week in week one. And it's also the second time that that player has not been Penn State's staff player of the week. Joey Porter was the defensive player of the week this week. And of course, Drew Hartlob was in, in, in week one. So found that to be funny. Uh, 10 tackles, tackle for loss, a QB hurry, and a pass breakup that I think he'll be the first to tell you should have been a pick, maybe a pick six. We'll see what happens. But again, Brandon Smith, I think he's really good. I think he's still coming into uh, his own as a player, still flashing. Would like to see that consistency take a step forward. And if he does, man, watch out. Yeah. In year three, um, you want to see him make a big leap between game number four and game number 12 on this regular season schedule. But he's got this big 10 defensive player of the week under his belt all of a sudden. And I'm with you. It was a surprise. I think we, we listed several names uh, during the postgame podcast on Saturday about who flashed to us defensively before getting to Brandon Smith. Um, but, but kudos to him. If, believe it or not, the first time in three years that a Penn State player has picked up that award, Micah Parsons never happened. He was a consensus All-American. He was the big 10 linebacker of the year. He didn't win it, um, but Robert Windsor, the last guy to get that defensive tackle in 2018. So um, interesting to interesting to note as well that Sean um, James Franklin felt there should have been a Big Ten Player of the Week, and it should have been Sean Clifford offensively. Um, we've talked a lot uh, this week and wrote, written a lot this week about what Clifford accomplished on the field Saturday night, four incompletions, 300-plus total yards, a couple touchdowns, just one interception. Um, we talked about that what that interception looked like. Uh, I mean, he doesn't. Franklin certainly makes the case here, and it's just it speaks volumes that we're having a debate about. Sean Clifford should have been the offensive player of the week after a game against Auburn for the number six team in the country. I mean, this is great stuff if you're a Penn State fan. Yeah, I mean, you're just happy to have this conversation instead of the other conversation that we've had a few times. Yeah, um, but yeah, he he should have been. I mean, Peyton Thorne. I mean, very impressive. Michigan State, who looks really good. Um, you know, just considering where they were at and where they were expected to be. Uh, Peyton Peyton. Uh, Thorne, sorry, I want to call him Peyton Ramsey, uh, but Peyton Ramsey was in the Big Ten for 10 years. Uh, but but Peyton Thorne going into Miami and winning that game. And Trevion Henderson, who is just a, a flat-out stud. Now, the Big Ten, you would think, would give him the freshman of the week and then work Clifford in there. But 
Who's to say he deserved it? He should have been in there. They had the graphic made up and ready to go. I, I think you saw that on Twitter. Um, but uh, it's uh, it's it's a shame that he he couldn't get the nod. But I mean, at the end of the day, he got the he got the win over Auburn. He he sort of has righted the ship for now and and has done a really good job in the first three weeks of the season. He'll have to continue that. But I mean, considering the conversations we had all off season to have Sean Clifford in the mix for a Big Ten Player of the Game or player of the week in a after a big game is is absolutely phenomenal uh speaking of player of the week odafe away afc defensive player of the week in his second nfl game god i love it man uh just i i didn't expect him to be this far this fast i don't think anybody did i don't think the ravens did um but very very big in that that win over the chiefs on uh sunday night was that sunday yeah it was a sunday night game um and he's been terrific through a couple of weeks hit uh, Micah Parsons and, and Dafe away two of the top three guys in the defensive rookie of the year odds right now. So pretty good start for Penn state defenders. I'd say. Yeah. Micah Parsons uh, transitioning to defensive end. Who'd have thought that Micah Parsons could play defensive end, Sean, that the rankings were finally right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And he was impressive. I think he was uh, maybe second among all NFL players and pressures applied on Saturday and uh, on Sunday uh, and, and just watched him around. He was, he was chasing around Justin Herbert all day long. Uh, fun to watch him fly around and get back playing football after not seeing him on the field last fall. Sean, it's, it's time for, well, before the mailbag, J- James Franklin closed the book on it. We can close the book on it. His encounter with the SEC officials is one I'm sure he will not soon forget. And he took some time at the end of his press conference on Tuesday to explain some research that he did and why maybe it ran counter to some of the calls that were made on Tuesday. I can't put it as smoothly as James Franklin, but I'm trying to put it um, as uh, unfindable as he did. The, the best way was on our board where somebody said, this is my wife trying to explain to me why I'm wrong, but not, you know, <laughs> not just going off on me. Uh, this is, and that one hit home. Trust me, yes. that one really hit home. Um, and it was, it was very accurate because it, I mean, it was a very nice soliloquy of him going through all these calls one by one. And, and, it, and I thought he did a good job. He didn't complain about like the spot on the mustard for fake, fake punt. He didn't complain about judgment calls. He complained about ones that should be black and white flags. And that's really, that's where you're going to get your, your momentum. That's where you're going to get people to get on your side. Not when you're complaining about, Oh, he should have been, um, you know, he should have by the rules, not grabbed him. Like the pass interference that the Auburn fans are complaining about. You, you could go either way on that one because that's just the, the way the game is played these days. Um, but like, being inside the tackle box for the intentional grounding, having somebody head up over the long snapper, which is another thing that that hit dearly for me. Um, it, it's just those ones where you can try and convince people that these are black and white calls that need to be made by the letter of the law. Not did he get the spot? Did he, you know, uh, you know, did he grab a face match, touch a face? You know, just these judgment calls. So there's a difference between judgment calls and um, you know, straight up should have been penalties. And I think that's the the comment he was trying to make. Uh, yeah, and, and he's good to move on with it. We are too, and it's time for our five-star mailbag, Sean. And by, and by the way, I love how he didn't even reference the the loss down. Like Everyone just knows how glaringly terrible that was. Didn't even need to point that one out. Five-star mailbag time, and it, here we go. Through three games, it's obvious who Penn State's starting receivers are, but do you have a better sense of who the next guys will be in behind them as the season continues? Of course, the starters locked in, Jahan Dotson, Keandre Lambert-Smith, and Parker Washington, very front-loaded from a snap standpoint through three weeks. 
Yeah, that those uh, rotations, two of the first three weeks, and this shouldn't be a surprise, um, just completely centered on those first three guys. Now, the answer to this one is Brenton Strange and Theo Johnson. I mean, mm. they've, they've done a great job of working those guys in there. They've had um, an opportunity to, to stack them out wide um, and play just more than a than a flex a flex tight end. They've been, actually been playing receiver. So that's the easy answer in terms of on that wide receiver depth chart. We saw Cam Sullivan Brown in, in you know critical spots this week. He's more of a blocker at this point, but uh, you, you know he'll, he will catch the ball if you throw it his way. So Sullivan Brown's going to be the guy. I don't think we saw Winston Eubanks uh, on Saturday, but that's that's another spot where they're going to have to develop some sort of uh, or cultivate some sort of depth because it's it's not there right now. Uh, Jaden Dotton and Malik Mega Mega hasn't been dressed for a game. He's he's injured right now, um, so those guys haven't been coming along. Daniel George has been a special teams player, um, which I think is kind of right along with the expectation coming into the season. Um, Harrison Wallace got onto the field uh, two weeks ago against Ball State. Um, we have not seen Leon Clifford yet, so. It's absolutely a situation where you need to figure out where you're going to go, you know, after Dotson or because um, because because those guys are going to play all the snaps in big games. There's no question about it. So this weekend will give you a chance to hopefully see more of those guys. I think you'll see Clifford out there. I think you'll see Wallace out there. Maybe see them throw the ball to Eubanks and see what they've got out there um, in the in the Division Two transfer. So it's certainly a. I, don't, I hate to label it a concern, but that's a, that's a question mark that you have moving forward this season because because beyond those three, it's it's not going to be anybody. It's going to be tight ends. This is where you have that complementary offense that that has a lot of fun components, though. You mentioned the tight end room. We've seen two running back sets. We've seen those three tight end sets. Um, so now we've seen a wildcat involved. So there are ways around, uh, you know, to supplement. I think the the lack of of depth here and Winston Eubanks, I think, got a couple snaps. Uh, against Auburn, um, but the guy who's been used a little bit more here the last couple of weeks, not a ton, but Marquise Wilson used more than, uh, you know, let's say Daniel George or, or Harrison Wallace at this point. Um, so the, the cornerback converted to wide receiver. We've seen him play both sides, but saw him again playing some wide receiver against Auburn. Uh, saw that the week before. I'd expect he'll get another opportunity to do that at Villanova. Like you, very curious to see if we get a longer look at Harrison Wallace, maybe Liam Clifford this time around. Um, but it, it's not an easy answer, and it's one that for three games, uh, I think there's a lot of room between practice situations that, that Taylor Stubblefield is going to observe in the coming months and game day opportunities. Um, you may see some stability come from that second team wide receiver group by the time we get into November, but uh, certainly not there yet. And it's a great pickup by you. Marquise Wilson should have been mentioned right off the bat. Um, and that's on me. It, the, he's got that athlete tab on the roster and I still see him as a corner. So uh, you can't, it, it oftentimes doesn't move to the forefront of my mind, but that's a good pickup by you. I think Marquise Wilson, certainly in that four or five slot right now. Uh, that's going to do it for this episode. Sean, you're not going to be joining us the next couple uh, bouncing out this weekend. Um, we'll miss you. Yeah, I'm sorry. I'm going to miss the game. Um, heading out to Wisconsin for the Ryder Cup. Somehow got tickets for Sunday. So, uh, sorry, not sorry. Um, you know, you know. I looked at the schedule and it was Villanova, and I'm like, that's that's kind of too perfect. So, uh, yeah, heading out this weekend. Um, I I will not be on tomorrow. I will not be on the post game. And uh, Monday still up in the air. Will de- de- probably depends if USA wins or not. 
And Sean already let my wife know that she's not allowed to have the baby while he's away. Uh, so we're not short shorthanded here. And, and so we'll be okay. We'll get through it. Uh, we got another Big Ten week coming next week. We'll get squared away with Sean for that one. We'll find a way to finish strong here this week without Sean. Don't worry about it. Uh, trying to line up a guest tomorrow as we give some final thoughts and previews and predictions on this matchup. I'll make sure I pass along Sean's scoring prediction as well. I think I know which way he's leaning in this Penn State-Villanova matchup. For now, thanks to our producer, Lance Glenn. Thanks to our guest, Terry Tui from the Delaware County Daily Times. I'm Tyler Donahue. Be sure to subscribe on Apple Podcasts and wherever you find your podcasts and on YouTube to watch each and every one of our episodes just at the Lions 24-7 channel. Take care. This is the Lions 24-7 podcast. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.